Hi, my name is Noah T.Y. and you're tuned in to another episode of Young Black Equestrians. I am. I am. I am. I am a young. I am a young. I am a young. I am. And I am a young. Black. A young black. Young. Black. A young black. Black. Black equestrian. 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 Black equestrian. Equestrian. Black equestrian. Equestrian. I'm a young black equestrian. I am a young black equestrian. <laughs> Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Young Black Equestrians with your hosts, Abriana Johnson and Caitlin Gooch. Today, we have a special guest, Noah T.Y. of Steady Horse, and I'm so excited to get him on the podcast today because there are so many questions that we have. So welcome to the show, Noah. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Nice to meet y'all. Nice to meet you too. (laughs) So briefly for people who do not know who you are, tell us about yourself, where you're located and what you do. Sure. Yeah. So I'm in the great state of Texas and uh, been here for about 17 years. I'm originally from the East Coast, um, but my family, a lot of my family kind of migrated this way. And I'm I'm from a huge family, like a, a really gigantic family. I've got, I'm one of 10 brothers and sisters. And so like seven of us are now like in Texas and uh, my granddad was military and in the air force and he did uh, basic training here. And so he decided to retire in San Antonio, Texas. So, and then my parents are are here. So this is home and I met my wife here as well. So this is kind of my home now. Um, But what I do is I coach people who, especially people that have issues with confidence or fear with their horses. I coach them and and help them to really kind of work through those fears and make sense of them so that they are knowledgeable enough to move forward and move forward in an educated way. And my number one goal with all of that is like helping people to be safe. And that's kind of why I do what I do because I see so many people that have accidents with their horses that are just like totally avoidable. Like most, most, most horse accidents can be avoided Mm -hmm. and so that's kind of the space that I occupy like helping people to be as safe as they possibly can with their horse and so it doesn't matter whether it's you know a brand new uh, beginner I have a riding academy where we teach really young kids um, or whether it's one of my students who has competed internationally or at the highest levels Olympic levels doesn't matter everybody's got to everybody wants to ultimately be as safe as possible while we are enjoying uh, these gifts that God has given to us. Mm-hmm. Love it. Safety is number one. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. I was like, that's right up Caitlin's alley. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get into horses in the first place? I know you said that, you know, your, your family's in Texas now, but how did you guys get into horses or are you the only one in your family into horses? So I have a sister um, that's really into horses and my mom is really into horses as well. And so like, I got my passion from my mom. Um, I started riding when I was seven. Um, at that time, we were living in, in New Jersey and um, my mom went to this, this, uh, this equestrian center and again, like one of 10, right? So she was like, hey, will you make me a deal for all 10 of my kids, you know? <laughs> what can we do here right um so like I mean she made it happen right and so um she made a deal with them and we were able to take our, our lessons once a week and that kind of is what cracked open the door and then from there on particularly like my sister and myself uh just horse crazy you know every opportunity we got we wanted to be with a horse to smell a horse to work in a barn whatever we could we could do and it just kind of escalated uh, from there. And then uh, my parents, when we were still young, um, they ended up getting a farm and uh, having all kinds of all kinds of animals and stuff. And so it just kind of perpetuated from there. But yeah, I was I was seven years old when I got on my my first horse, and you know, like for a lesson by myself, other than like pony rides at like a fair or something, mm-hmm. and. Uh, 
everybody always, you know, oh man, you know, you've got great balance. You're so good with them. But um, I never had any fear. I was one of those kids who was just fearless. And it's interesting though, I got thrown from let from like really high dollar lesson horses when I was seven years old, I got thrown twice. And you know, hindsight's 2020, but like becoming an adult, I looked back at that and I'm like, whoa, like, you know, there's, there's no way I would put any of like the kids in my, like, there's no way they're climbing on a horse where something like that would happen. Right. And but I, I learned something back then, you know, I was fine, you know, when you're young, you know, you, you get, yeah, you shake, you shake it off and, you know, you suck it up and you, you go on, right. You, you know, and that was the thing you get back on your horse, you know, type thing. Mm -hmm. But I, I learned something. Um, I learned a bad habit back then that falling, that getting hurt, that that was just a part, right. Of, of horseback riding. Like that was a part of being an equestrian and my views over the years kind of shifted where I'm like, no, that, that should not be the norm. That shouldn't be the expectation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know the situation around the falling, but kind of the behaviors lead, leading up to it, whether it be human or horse, you know, if you start getting into that habit, it's like, no, this, right, is, right. this has to be enjoyable for both of us. <laughs> right. You can be breaking limbs and having bruises every time you ride. <laughs> right. Nobody yeah. has time for that. Nobody has time for that. So what is one of the biggest challenges you faced with horses and, and what did you learn from that? So I would say the, the biggest challenge for me was learning how to be safe. Um, my mom got into a really bad wreck uh, with a horse and uh, she, had, she, had, she had a horse that had gotten sick and, and passed away. And so she was looking for a, a new horse and I was helping her at that point to try and find, find a horse. And I was a teenager at that time. I think I was like maybe 18, some, somewhere around there. And um, I really pushed her towards a particular horse and his name was Justice. He was an ex-police horse um retired from that business and he was supposed to be like you know like he was I'm like this is a good horse for you mom like this will be the horse and so she she gets the horse home and um she's riding on on the ranch and she's going on a trail ride and like this seasoned police horse like a, a branch kind of cracked in the in the brush or something and he just freaked out like he just I mean he took off and she was saying like the harder she tried to like stop him like there was no stopping him there was no one rein disengagement there was none of that like he just had it in his mind he was clamped down on that bit and he was just running high tailing like nothing was stopping him so then like they came to a top of a hill and this is common a lot of horses when they run up onto the top of the hill they'll buck out and kick and that's what he did um she was just trying to hold on and uh he ended up throwing her and so she came like over the top of him and then he trampled her too. So, I mean, it was a really bad accident. So um, she, she nearly had to have her leg amputated. It was that bad. Um, but like, thank God, like she made pretty much a full recovery. Mm -hmm. um, but the Physically. one thing that really took a hit, yeah, the, the thing that took a hit was her confidence. Like she had a lot of fear. And so once she finally got to the point where she was cleared to ride again, um she was having a lot of trouble emotionally and mentally like you know diving back in and handling those fears because they were very real fears for her and so i remember she she because this is something that my mom and i especially like really really share our love for horses and so uh, my, my mom's like my best friend like we've always called each other best friends for like forever and, and uh we've always had a really good relationship and so like when she told me that, you know, I'm thinking about hanging up riding, I was like, whoa. And, and she said, you know, that she felt like she had pressure from two different areas. One were like friends and family because like, you know, people care about her and like, hey, you know, maybe you should find a different hobby. <laughs> you know, maybe you should do something else. Yeah. But like horse people, right? Like it's not, it's not just a hobby. It's a passion. It's something that like, I mean, 
you uh, non-horse people don't understand it when you talk about this that rush and that feeling and that connection and just when you take in the smell like all of that stuff people are like what <laughs> you know shoveling poop and doing this and doing that and so for her um like she was getting the pressure from the outside of people saying, you know, you know, you're getting older, um, horses are dangerous, you know, we want to set you up to be, uh, to do well. And then she felt guilty too, because like when you have an accident like that, it doesn't only affect you, but it affects like you and your family and the people around you and, and all of that as well. Your finances, like there's a lot, a lot that happens. So, um, but then she said she also was getting like this, internal pressure from her right where she felt that that because she was now older that this was kind of like the nail in the coffin like that she should not have been riding in the first place because she felt like her balance wasn't as good as it used to be her reaction time wasn't as quick as she used to be and she wasn't as strong as she used to be so she's like you know maybe this is the the best route to go so when she told me that she was wanting to hang it all up and walk away you know from ever riding again that was i would say that that crushed me but that was one of my biggest challenges because i'm like there, there's got to be a better way right mm -hmm. there's got to be a way to approach things where it's not you know rough and tough and having to be super strong and yank on horses and all that kind of rough and tough stuff like there's got to be a way where you can continue to do what you enjoy and love without having to put yourself in harm's harm's way mm -hmm. and so it was really at that point that i kind of dug in and decided like no like i'm going to scrounge up all the money I've got, all, every resource, every connection, every person, I'm going to try to reach out to everybody I knew. And like back then, you know, there weren't like social networks like we have now. We weren't as connected as we are now. So, I mean, it was, it was a lot of creative work to find people, you know, literally all over the world and be like, hey, will you teach me? Can I work with you? I'll work for you. I'll do this. I'll do that. And uh, so I had a lot of incredible experiences in that journey. But what I learned in that journey is, you know, there's so many ways to skin a cat. There's so many different ways that people work with their horses. Um, but what I noticed is with all the different experiences that I had, and some of them were just incredible and they informed the way that I work with horses now. Some of them were terrible where mm. I worked for people who were, you know, abusive to the horses, didn't take care of them. I mean, really, really bad stuff. Um, but the ways where people had more respect and love and genuine care for the horses, those were the horses that ultimately made like the safer, more steady horses. And so I learned that, and it was, it was a tough thing for me to learn because I always was taught, especially like, you know, growing up in like cowboy culture and things like, you know, the harder you ride them, the faster, you know, the more wet saddle blankets you put on them, you know, uh, like that's what made a good broke solid horse and all that kind of stuff. And now, like what I had to learn is that you have to nah. really come from, a, yeah, you, you got to come from a place of compassion, right? Like you got to come from a place of, of love. And so what I learned is that like our relationship with horses is really like it's a relationship and like that's where the focus has to be and when you have like a strong relationship and people know this like i'm not saying anything new like people know that when you have a strong relationship with your horse they like that trumps everything else like everything else is gonna is gonna work out really well so that was a challenge and there was a lot for me to learn to get to that point um but i'm but i'm glad that i did because it gave me more clarity about the process and things that we are missing um, in horsemanship today that, you know, really, I think people take for granted, but are so important. Yeah. You have a book on the way? What do I have? A, I do have a book. I do have a book on the way, but it's not out yet. <laughs> oh, I was like, is this a trick question? I don't know. But that's cool. I would love to get it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I do have a book in the works, but it's not out yet. <laughs> oh, well, congrats in advance. Yes, yes, oh, thank yes. you. Um, something that you said about, you know, working with the people that didn't take care of their horses really stood out to me um, because I feel like sometimes 
we have to put ourselves in situations and, you know, gain these experiences to know what we don't want to do, you know? And so I feel like a lot of times when people are going out and looking for working student jobs and volunteering and, you know, and they get in these, you know, not ideal situations, they're like, oh, this is what the horse industry is, or this is what Mm -hmm. um, this job is like when that's not the case. But sometimes we do have to experience things. So we know what we don't want to do. Like I worked in a call center. I know I don't want to do that ever again Mm -hmm. in my life, you know, but it was, it was a good experience for learning how to communicate problems. <laughs> but um, th- that stood out to me because I feel like a lot of times, you know, now that we're, you know, having open conversations about being a person of color in a barn environment, it's sure. like, okay, yeah, some jobs are going to suck, you know, and yeah. you take that and say, okay, this is not anything that I will ever duplicate kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And like, I mean, you, you're still on point with that, right? Because I feel like the tendency is is when there is conflict, right? Like when you're in a situation that's uncomfortable or when you're in an environment that's less than ideal, like you said, like it's like to, and, and this is how I was a hundred percent. Like when I was in that situation, I was like at one point, you know, and this, this person I was working with, like that I'm, that I'm thinking of, like this was a notable person in the horse world. Like you would know this person's name if I mentioned their name. And so at one point I was like, you know, I want this experience, but on the other point, I'm like in this little self-righteous, but like everybody's where they're at. Right. And I like what you said, you take the experiences and sometimes it's learning what you don't want to do or what you, what not to do (laughs) and, and, and learning how to like also in an environment like that, like how to break through and still be your, your most genuine self as well. So So, I mean, needless to say, that relationship didn't last for very, very long, but it was, it was an incredible, valuable time in my life because um, it taught me a, a lot. And sometimes some of the best lessons um, aren't in the ideal circumstances that we would hope for, right? Right, right, right. So tell us a little bit about this, this process, because you said your mom's accident was like around when you were 18 or so. Did you like prior to then like say I want to be a horse trainer like what did you want to be when you were growing up like did you go to school like how do you end up being Mr. Steady Horse today sure yeah so like no at the time I did not want to be a horse trainer like but I just wanted my mom to be safe right Mm -hmm. and so it's funny because like what I thought that would look like like you know 18 year old me was like oh you know I'll just learn how to ride better and break these horses and you know, get them to mind and, you know, so, but it, it looked nothing like that. You know, you started pulling at threads and there was so much more, so much more to it. So I, um, at that time, I ended up putting myself um, through college, like training horses. Like that's how I paid for my tuition. That's what, I mean, I, I, and so like, I would literally train horses in the morning. There were some facilities and barns I worked at right where they had like you know indoor arenas and lights and stuff like that i love those facilities so i could train like at one o'clock in the morning two o'clock in the morning but like i spent as much time on the horse's back as i possibly could um and really just finding people that were willing enough to pour into me and then when i had an opportunity to travel like over the summer or over a spring break or something like that like i would always have something lined up so that I could get with someone to, to learn more. But I mean, I went to school, like a lot of people not intending to become a a horse trainer or a horse clinician or whatever. Um, You know, I actually went to to culinary school. Uh, I did my undergrad in sociology and political science. And uh, then I was working at a bank when I finally decided that, you know what, like I'm going to switch gears and I'm going to focus everything on the equine side of things because like that is where I lit up and that is where I had like the most passion and that's where I felt like the most alive so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. was that transition I wish. for you it was I remember going to my boss and putting my two weeks in his name is Brian I can I can I can see his face and he says 
like, you know, we hate to lose these. Like, is, is it the money? You know, can we do something there? Is it, you know, the hours? I know, you know, you just got married and you got a, a, a kid coming, you know, what can we do? And I'm like, no, man, it's just, it's just not for me, <laughs> you know? And he says, well, what, where are you going? What are you doing? What do you got lined up? And I said, like, I'm going into horses like full time. Like I'm going to make my living everything off of horses. And you could tell this guy is like, okay. <laughs> well, good luck, bud. You know, <laughs> he was thinking, yeah. <laughs> so it, it was scary. Um, I think that the biggest thing for me too, at that point being uh, newly married and about to be a new dad is like wanting to make sure that I could provide for my family. And so like when you're providing, and this is any entrepreneur, right? Like when you are basically, and, and at that point, you know, I, I was going to be the sole breadwinner. Like when you are in that position, like there's a lot of stress, right? Like a lot of anxiety. You want to make sure that you can deliver, that you can perform, that you can provide for your family, not let them down. So it, it was stressful, um, but it also caused me to like work so hard, work so hard. Um, I have worked with and trained so many horses. I mean, so many horses. I've started, and this is just horses I've started, not problem horses. I've started personally myself over 500 horses. And like, that's me, like not ranch hands or any helps or anything like that. Um, I've worked with a lot of people one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I, you know, I transitioned my, I used to do like a after school riding program and it's turned into a riding academy and all, all these kids and stuff like that. But like, I mean, any way that I could provide for my family through horses, I was doing. I, I even had a, uh, I had a pony company where we would take, uh, we had a pony carousel we'd set up over by the Alamo in downtown San Antonio. And we had ponies going and we'd set up at a kitty park and we had carousels all over town. I mean, anything, you know, carriage company, you, you name it. Um, but that was my commitment to myself that I was going to always do what I loved, which was the equestrian side for sure. So it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. There was a lot of anxiety and um, there were times uh, I'm very grateful to, to my wife because there are a lot of times where we did without in order to maintain like the sanity and the health of, uh, of the lifestyle that we wanted to, to live. So. Wow. <laughs> so many different career paths when it comes to horses and people don't even understand, like there's so many different ways you could go. And a lot of us don't even start out, you know, in the horse industry. It's like, we work these nine to five jobs and they were like, okay, I'm definitely not doing this anymore. <laughs> Take me where yeah. the horses are. <laughs> Yeah, I was about to say, Kayla has a degree in sociology, too. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I work with kids at a daycare and at a boys and girls club. And when it's like the summertime, I cannot handle it because I'm like, I should be outside. <laughs> yeah, I get Not that. indoors. Get that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, and you mentioned like all the different industries. There mm -hmm. are, it's crazy. It is nuts. Like how many different industries there are. And like, I'm, I'm always still just learning about new and different um, industries. And I, I just find that so fascinating. I partner with a lot of different companies and organizations and, you know, from supplement organization to someone that makes like just, all kinds of, you know, special pads for horses to people who are making, you know, foot stuff. And, and it's just so neat how much stuff there is out there. It's pretty cool. It's fascinating. Mm -hmm. You literally can choose to do anything in the world and say like, I only do it for horses. And yes. like, boom, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Like now you're in the horse industry. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. It's wild. It is wild. So what is one of the most common misconceptions people have when they come to you with their problems? Mm, yeah. Um, I think I'd say probably generally most people always think there's something that they need to change about their horse. They need to change their, train their horse better, do this better, do that better for their, you know, have their horse perform better. Um, when really it's really about us, right? Um, it's so funny. Now, let me just be clear. I have no like degree in psychology or anything like, like that. Um, but I always feel like when I'm working with people and their horses, like 
I feel I feel a little bit like a shrink, right? I don't know. I don't think you're supposed to say shrink. I don't think. I don't know. What do you call a shrink? <laughs> a psychologist, a psychiatrist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We get what you say. A counselor. <laughs> so like, like I feel like you know the person's always like you know my horse does this, my horse does that, my horse, and it's always about the horse, the horse, the horse. I was like, let's let's talk about you, like right, right, like. Like, what are you doing for your horse? You know, how are you giving, how are you can, like meaningfully connecting with them? Like I'm, I'm big on making sure that you are one, one that you change your approach. So stop, you know, focusing everything about how you feel and really change to where you're focusing on. How is my horse doing? How are they uncomfortable? How am I nagging them? How am I making their life hell, right? Mm-hmm. And then once you have that kind of change in the way you approach, your horse it's for me the next thing is like connecting with them in a way that's meaningful and it's going to look different with every horse and every person like um uh you know people you know have different ways that they express their love for each other or appreciation and how they uh hope to be appreciated and and, and things like that and horses are the same right and so really finding the way to connect that's the most meaningful for for your horse and, and then it's really about having communication. And so again, just like any relationship, right? Like any, any uh, counselor will tell you that if you don't have good, open, clear communication, uh, things will break down. So I like to really help people take their communication and make it clearer and simpler. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes we're trying to do really big, huge, fancy maneuvers. Um, depending on what your discipline is or what you're doing or whatever, um, which is great. They're cool, but there's a basis for that maneuver, any really fancy maneuver in something that's very simple. And if we start back from those foundations, we really present it to our horse in a way that they can really have confidence and mastery over that. And then I think like the last part of that, that's huge is like confidence. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people think of confidence as like, well, you know, it's like this magical thing where I just work up the nerve and the bravery and then I'm confident, but it's really, it's really more just math, right? Like, like, like statistically speaking, you have high confidence in something if you can replicate it like over and over and over again. And so if I can, you know, connect with my horse, communicate with my horse and we're working well together and say, you know, for me, I'm good with nine times out of 10, if nine times out of 10, like we're getting some really good, you know, stuff going, well, then I have confidence and my horse has confidence um, in me. And so uh, again, like nothing I teach is rocket science or anything like that, but it's really about going back to the basics, you know, simplifying things and really approaching it in a way that is ultra super focused on the horse and giving them the best understanding possible so that they can be like the partner that we want them to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how do you, um track your client's progress? Yeah, so um, there are a number of ways. So I don't do as much, like I do clinics and stuff like that, but I don't do as much um, one-on-one like I used to years ago. So right now, a couple of things. So there's people that are involved in like the steady horse. Like we have like a, a video club and library and we have courses and stuff that people put out that people can can get. But um, where I have the most fun is where I am able to work with people one-on-one. And so now, you know, especially since COVID, we were doing this before COVID, but especially now since COVID, people are more comfortable with a Zoom call, you know, FaceTime. And so we have a coaching program. And what that coaching program looks like is when people want to work with me, what we do is the first thing I do is I get with them and we set up a roadmap of where they want to go and how to get there again because every horse every person is just so different so you know we talk about like how many times can you realistically like are you able to work with your horse you know uh do you have just five minutes you have 20 you have 30 minutes you know whatever it is you know we'll figure out like a way that it's going to work for you and so that's kind of like the first step and then um once i give them the ways to start connecting and then communicating with clarity, we're checking in with each other. A lot of people do what I call like video reviews. 
where they'll either take a video of what they're working on with their phone or whatever, have somebody take it. Or a lot of the, a lot of my students use, I don't have one, but the, they're like these fancy little. Pivo or Pivo. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. One of those things, right? That like $800. <laughs> it would probably be cheaper than my camera guy though so <laughs> but but they they you know so they they get good videos like they get good videos or i have a lot of people too who will just you know do facetime or zoom and have somebody hold it while they're while they're riding so in those instances i can give them feedback in real time or you know we're able to sit back which sometimes is even better after the fact when they can look at themselves on the screen and we can go by kind of frame by frame. Cause like, like when you're writing, like I have so many bad writing habits. Right. And so when, when I ride with my mentors who I I'm still in really good relationship with, and I'm so blessed um, to have so many mentors, but there's a couple in particular that I ride with um, regularly. Like, no, what's wrong with you? You know, fix this, fix that, do that, you know? Um, but I don't realize it. But um, when they went years ago, when they had me start to take footage of what I was doing, then I'm like, oh, well, yeah, you know, it sticks out like a sore thumb. So that's kind of how we track progress. And for me, it's not like a time frame thing. That's the other thing. Like, there's always this idea of, you know, you know, 90 days to start a horse or, you know, a good broke horse is, you know, 120 days or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. It's really about moving only as far as the two of you are connected. And so there's something very intentional that I have the people that I coach do and they're called connection checks. And so in those connection checks, like what they're doing is there's, there's some points and things that they already know to look for, but I'm like, so tell me about how this is going. Okay, good, well, how can we improve? How can we give more clarity? How can we do more sim simplicity? How can we go back and connect deeper? Okay, great. And then when we're connected here, okay, now let's move on to the next step because then you and your horse feel confident and feel like you're in a good place where you can move forward, make progress, and you're both going to get a W, get a win. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. I'm, I'm new to this whole coaching model, so I like hearing this information. It's very nice. Sure. Nice to hear. So, what do you have as your like vision for the future for either yourself or for your business or kind of just where where are you looking to go with this yeah so i mean like right now the i guess like the surface level stuff is like the coaching the courses you know the training and and connecting with people um and and really friends and clients in a way that will help them to build a deeper and, and better relationship with their horse like, I really want people to know that one, like you don't have to put yourself in peril. You're not, you don't have to get hurt. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be like you're rolling the dice every time you climb on a horse. It just doesn't, right? So that's what's one part of it, but also that there's a way to do it where you are, I call it leading your horse with love, where like you are really, like my goal with any horse that I work with is like by the time I'm done working with somebody's horse, I want that horse to be more in love with me than they are with their owner. And so I, I tell them like, because you're competing with the other horses, the, the barn manager, whatever, you know, whatever you get, like you're competing with all of that. And so you got to make sure that you get in there and that you connect with them in a way that's meaningful. So like build, helping people to build those relationships and learn that perspective, how to lead, lead with love um, is huge. Um, really, really important to me, but on, uh, on an even deeper level for me, it's just about getting people in the habit of, of taking a hard look at their relationships, not just their horse relationship, but any relationship, because like relationships are the foundation, I believe for, for everything. Um, I'm also the pastor of a church. And so like in my church, like I'm always preaching, like as I think pastors should, like love, right? Like God is love and, and about how love transcends a lot of time, like I'm getting a little deep here, but a lot of times like like law and rules and what everybody thinks is supposed to be like the, the, the law of the land. And people don't like to hear that. Um, people like the structure and order and, and love is kind of chaotic and it makes you 
when you're really like leading with love, it makes you do things or look at things in a different way. And it forces you to reevaluate relationships. So I might be teaching you something about your horse or how to be more kind or loving or seeing things from their perspective. But I'm also hoping that when you see the dark skinned man down the road, that's just, you know, doing his job cutting the grass or whatever, that you're not automatically in a, in a place of fear that, but maybe because you've exercised some, uh, some love and have looked at your horse in a different way and have approached things in a different way that maybe you're not looking at them in that way because you have more confidence in that relationship and what that could look like instead of drawing conclusions. And so like, you know, when you talk about race, it's obvious, right? Um, but when you talk about horse, like it's, you know, it's no different and it's not a black white thing or brown or whatever thing, right? Like it's like, we all have to do better in our relationships and be very intentional right. and really, I mean, lead with love. And so for me, like on a deeper level, like that is my hope with, with what I do, that people learn to love better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what you said made me think of, uh, what does the people say? Like, ride the horse you have today, mm -hmm. you know, not, not the horse you had last week, not the horse yeah, that you yeah. want to have, ride the horse you have today. So it's the same, same thing with people, like, you know, instead of making these assumptions and things like that, like, like do with that one person right then, you know, do you have the, the evidence to come to conclusions about them? Probably not. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right, so right, right. Yeah. Yeah. You got to interact with the person, with the horse, with, you know, what you have that day. So absolutely. Absolutely. If you had a, a word of advice for the aspiring equestrians out there, what is something that you would tell them? You've given a lot of good information, <laughs> but if, if they, if they had, you know, just came to you and said, what, what do I do to get where you are? What would you say? Sure. Um, well, one, uh, you know, I am always the first person to say one, I've just been really, really blessed. Like I give all glory to God for the opportunities and things that he's presented in my life. Um, so I recognize that. Like I've been really, 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 really blessed. Um, but on top of that too, is I think recognizing the power of who God makes us, right? And especially too, like, you know, because this is young black equestrians, because in our society, being a young black man is, or young black woman, or, or in my case, a young black man, but a young person of color, like in society, you're like bottom of the barrel, right? Um, and things are things are changing. They also have been for a long time, for a long time, you know. So um, we're always hoping for more progress, faster progress, deeper progress. But like it's interesting because. Um, even though I'm going to kind of digress for a second, because it's so important, I feel like, because even though like I'm, I'm, I'm a business owner, I'm an entrepreneur, I have lots of partnerships and, you know, all that stuff, you know, I'm, I've been very blessed. I'm a pastor of a church. Like I've had, I've, I've had people call the cops on me in my own church. Right. And where, where people sit, where people are, are worried about things. And so what happens, I feel like is a lot of times people will either, and a lot of times it's subconscious, people will deny who they are, or they will, even though they, even though you might be proud of your blackness or your color or whatever the case, whatever it is, you know, a lot of times that subconscious message that society sends to you will still get to you. And it'll still tell you that you, maybe you need to, don't, don't come at it this hard right now or don't be so, so forward or don't lean out too hard because they might put you in this category or tell you this or tell you that. And I just want people to know like who you are is so precious and God loves you so much. And like only you can tell your story, right? And so lean into who you are because that is the most powerful tool that you have, like do you. So yes, seek out mentors and look for people to pour into you and to love on you and to and to really you know teach you technical things and this 
or that, but don't ever, don't ever get lost trying to be what seems like this when you're already right here, like who you are just so powerful, like just integrate what you have and use it and grow and get stronger, but value this because nobody else has that on you. Preach, Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's hilarious. Because uh, that's like the only time that that's actually worked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, thank you for that. That that is great, great, great advice. Great advice. I love it. So uh, at the end of our episodes, what? Wait, wait, wait! I just wrote. We didn't talk about what horses you have now. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, all right. So we're a family of five. So we got five horses. So, um, That's it. there's, uh, <laughs> well, well, we have, there's more horses, but like that are our horses. So <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I got five that I claim. I'll put it that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll tell you really quick about our horses. Yeah, okay. I won't take up too much time. I could. So, um, my wife's horse, uh, his name is Tony and he's a Clydesdale and, uh, he's just, yeah, he's the cutest little furball, <laughs> awesome little guy. And he's like, I don't know, like maybe 18 hands tall or something like that. He's huge. Um, my youngest son, um, his horse is a Morgan and his name is Bonner and he's just, you know, really quiet. My youngest son's four years old. So, I mean, just a really quiet, steady Eddie horse. Um, really relaxed, pretty cool. Um, then my daughter has a paint horse and that little horse is full of piss and vinegar. <laughs> she's young and she's, she's spunky and, and my daughter just loves her. And then my, uh, I have a son, my middle son, his name is Danny and he has a horse named Chrome and I've had Chrome for, uh, 15, 16 years, I think, or something like that. And so Danny's seven years old and he rides Chrome. Now my horse, his name is, his name is Enoch and uh, he's an Andalusian and uh, he's a gray horse. And I actually got him by, I was, I was training the horse and the lady had mentioned that she wanted to sell him. And I said, well, if you ever do, you know, uh, let me know. And then uh, down the road, you know, she had contacted me and she was having to move and life circumstances. And uh, like the next day I was hauling a truck and trailer to go, go pick them up. So uh, those are, those are our horses. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> rides. Oh my gosh. I know. It's precious. Do they compete? Do your kids compete or do you guys like do something in particular with them? Yeah, sure. So um, my kids don't compete. At home. Not, not right now. Um, my daughter's open to it. I don't really push the competition on them right now. They're so young. Um, when we were younger, we did. Um, and I didn't really care for it, to be, <laughs> to, be, to be honest. So for them, I've just kind of like left that door open. Um, but really, it's just uh, trail riding, you know, working them on the on the ranch, you know, they might help me push some of the cows down, you know, for doing, and that's, that's pretty much it. So they're purely recreational. Yeah. Um, my, my wife's horse does also drive. So he pulls a carriage. And uh, sometimes uh, he'll go like for the stock show and rodeos and do stuff and stuff like that. But really, they're just they're just pets. <laughs> You know, there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing <laughs> that's, and that's, right. that's what we tell people like you know people are like oh young black equestrians do you do eventing or dressage <laughs> it's like no <laughs> i just ride <laughs> right i just ride my horse like that's it you know and, <laughs> yeah yeah and we stress that so much like you can make a difference you can do things you can still have value in this industry without being a competitor and it's not saying there's anything wrong with competing but there's a lot of people who that's a barrier you know there's a financial barrier there's a accessibility barrier we talk about the fact that you have value despite those barriers doesn't matter which side you're on you're still valuable as a, a horse person so 
I feel like that's one of the resounding messages with our podcast. Like, you don't have to do all that to be great, <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the crazy thing is, like, that is the vast majority of horse owners. Like, they're not competing right. every Saturday, yes. earning ribbons. Exactly. Yet that's who, that's who so many horse owners aspire to be. Um, when most people, you know, it's like, hey, let's just go chill and ride, you know? <laughs> yeah, and there's so many, there's so many competitors who cannot do that. They, yes, their, I, their horses cannot go chill and ride. They, like, have screws loose in their little tackle box of a brain. And yep. like, they can't, <laughs> so it's just like, you know, you just pick where you want to, you want to stay, but I like to just go walk through the woods. Like that's, that's my jam. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So now we're going to get into the Derby round. And so the All Derby right. round is just quick questions. You choose one or the other first thing okay. that comes to mind. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So here we go. English or Western. Western. Solids or spots? Solids. Bays or grays? Grays. Brown tack or black tack? Brown. Sponge or curry brush? Mm. Uh, curry brush. No curry brush. Hey, hold on. Hold <laughs> on. There's different kinds of curry brushes. I want to make sure we're on the same curry brush. Because okay. whether you're whether you're Western or English, you might call that curry brush something different. So what's a curry brush? It's like the brush you put on your hand and it's got the spikes on it. The little the little yeah, curry like brush. There we go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, where are we? Okay, shod or barefoot? <sighs> so it, I can't just do a one answer. It depends. I, know. I, I I try to keep them barefoot <laughs> as much as I can. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that there's a, and I, I admire it, there's a huge barefoot movement, which is awesome. And I think that, but there are, and so many people disagree with me, but there are some horses who benefit in certain cir circumstances with having the support. It doesn't necessarily mean a metal shoe, but there are things that you can do structurally. So, okay. So that, that's my kind of. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Long answer long. That's cool. Um, bumper pull or gooseneck? Gooseneck. Rope halter or nylon halter? Rope halter. Wood fence or electric fence? Wood. What is your favorite piece of barn equipment? Mm, wow. <laughs> I'm gonna plug myself, my steady stick. <laughs> steady stick. Okay, we'll, we'll drop a link to that in the show notes. <laughs> that, that, that's my favorite piece of equipment. It has to be. Okay. Next question. <laughs> what is your favorite piece of tack? Uh, probably the rope halter. Okay. Yeah. When was the last time you fell off? Um, ooh. Last time I fell off a horse was maybe seven, six, seven years ago. Six, seven years ago. It was actually so is actually one of my mentors who had a horse that was giving her a, a really hard time. She, she was like, no, come ride this horse. <laughs> Can you come ride this horse for me? And uh, I said, oh yeah, you know, <laughs> I come take care, care of this horse, you know? And I'm there and I'm working with this horse and I'm doing the connection work and all this stuff. And uh, I go to I go to climb up on the horse and, you know, it wasn't my saddle or tack and something, in the in the like on the top of the stir of the of the fender that connected and it, it was a mess anyway the it freaked the horse out the horse ended up just throwing me like a <laughs> like a rag doll and that was the last time I got got thrown off a got thrown off a horse and then like my friend my mentor her name is Barb the incredible lady uh she felt so bad because when I when I fell um I went crashing into like the rails of the round pin. It looked a lot worse than it. Yeah, <laughs> than they it make was. a lot of noise. <laughs> but, uh, you know, of course, like I hop up, I'm like, no, no, I'm fine. Every <laughs> everything's okay. You know, picking up my pride and and, and and everything. But yeah, that was the last time I I got uh, got thrown off a, a horse. Yeah, and then uh, that horse ended up going over to. Uh, 
John Lyons. And uh, when John came and saw the horse and he was doing an exhibition on that horse and, you know, of course he kept digging at me being like, okay, no, you want to, you want to ride this horse? You're going to come on and show everybody. And so we were going back and forth about who's going to get on the horse or climb the horse, but he was a rank little horse. Uh, but, um, he actually ended up coming out. Okay. You know, we kept working with him and getting him, um, just more quiet and relaxed. And it was one of these horses that came from a traumatic experience and needed, you know, a lot more time and work and, and effort and overcoming yeah. some of those things to get him better. But, um, just like in every other accident that most people have, it was like my fault. Like I should have checked the tack. It wasn't my saddle. I should have, you know, made sure because I put him in a bad situation mm -hmm. and, uh, and it could have been a lot worse than it was. So. Mm -hmm. That's good. Glad you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> and the last question is if money was no object, what is one horse related purchase you would make? Huh. Uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe <laughs> yeah, I don't know. got everything I need. <laughs> <laughs> What's left? <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, okay, so I like to I like to look at um. I forget what that. There's a real estate site that's really popular that you can look up everything on. I forget what it's called. Zillow. Look at Zillow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I saw this, I saw this one ranch and it was like, it's like in like nowhere, Texas. And it's something ridiculous, like 15,000 acres or something like that. <laughs> and it had like a, an airstrip and a helicopter pad and two-story barn. So yeah, that would be it. That's a horse. <laughs> I'd, I'd buy that and then figure out the taxes later, I guess. <laughs> Texas is huge. <laughs> it is. Like, I didn't even know that, like, you could have, like, 15,000 acres. Like, it was, it was, it was ridiculous. Yes. yes. Was I know someone who, he's like, yeah, I just, I just got 4,000 acres. And I'm like, like, in one spot, like, one circle. Right. <laughs> one. He's like, yeah, it's just, you know, just one property. Yeah, I do that right. <laughs> they don't do that around here. There's not enough left. But, <laughs> sure. But yeah, well, thank you so much for oh, well, thank on our show. This is great. Well, I'm just, I'm just so glad that you guys had me. I'm, I'm super, like, just. I've had a chance to listen to a couple of y'all's podcasts and I want to, um, man, y'all do an incredible job and you have some really cool guests on there. So I'm excited because I have a lot of good driving listening to, to do. So it's cool being able to connect within our community um, mm -hmm. with other people by hearing their stories and you guys do a good job at like bringing those stories out. So thank y'all for having me. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Young Black Equestrians. Head over to our Facebook or Instagram pages and let us know what you thought about that episode. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and have the opportunity to be featured in our next episode.